You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor George Willis, which is titled, How to Get Your Go Back. For more information, please visit our website at www.creekside.org. Hey. Uh, again, I want to welcome you. Happy New Year. Uh, not only in-house, but online. I know the Peacocks are watching, the Rileys are watching, uh, and G, I, I, it's A-N capital G, so I'm, I'm giving that infl- and G, uh, inflection. Becca A, uh, Aaron, good morning. Uh, there's so many people watching online. Thank you for taking, Brady, I think Brady's watching from a far off land, isn't he? Uh, Peru. Man, I love that water. It's kind of bubbly and never mind. But thank you for joining us online. Also, I want to give a big shout out to our sister church who's joining uh, with us online, Discover Church in Lodi, California. Can we in-house give those online a big hand? Pastor Mike and and Discover Church, it's an honor and a blessing to have you with us. It's also an honor to have every single one of you with us in-house. You are a blessing, and if you don't know this, you are a blessing to the person that you are sitting next to. You online, you are a blessing to those that you welcome uh, in the comment section online, and God is good. Can I get a big amen? Amen. I know I took some time to kind of... uh, preface the the guidelines and address that. Uh, I'm going to try to get through this message uh, in in a reasonable amount of time, but I think it's an important message for the start of the new year. Not only an important message, but an appropriate message uh, for the start of the new year. Mark Twain said, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than you will be by the things you did. Let that sink in for a second. 20 years from now, shoot, it was last week. I'm already regretting some of the things that I didn't do. And as we kick off this new year and this message, uh, I want everyone in-house and everyone online to play along with me. And and, Because I know every year, I mean, I used to do this when I... uh, you know, starting in my teens and 20s, and you probably still do it now, but every year, every year, what do we do? Every New Year's Eve, we spend some time making New Year's resolutions, don't we? So, let, let, I mean, just by a show of hands, you can throw up a hand emoji on the com- in the comments section, but by a show of hands, how many of you, how many of you actually set some New, year, New Year's resolutions this year? Raise your hand. All five of us in this house. I don't know. I don't have my phone up here, so I don't know how many raised their hand online. But you are going to support my next, I mean, you just supported my next illustration. You just proved it to be true. I found some, a few thoughts uh, that others have had about New Year's resolutions, and here are a few. Some, some people and in, in their New Year's resolutions. I can't believe it's been a year since I didn't become a better person. <laughs> My resolution this year is to stop lying to myself about making lifestyle changes. <laughs> My New Year's resolution is to do, uh, t- is to, 
is a to-do list for the first week of January. My New Year's resolution, I'm going to work out every day or at least briefly consider it. And this is really my New Year's resolution. My New Year's resolution is to be more efficient. So I'm giving up on it right now instead of wasting all of January acting like I'm going to achieve it. Maybe some of you, you're saying, my New Year's, my New Year's resolution for 2021 is to accomplish the goals of 2020, which I should have been, that should have been done in 2019 because I promised them to myself in 2018. And just by the lack of hands, and again, I don't know how many online, but it proves this point that one psychology journal uh, wrote about. They looked at why we don't set New Year's resolutions. Why, you know, the, the, they, they answered the question why people don't make New Year's resolutions, and it's because it's based on fear. It's based on fear. It's a fear of not finishing what they start. I think many of us fear making resolutions or setting goals because if you're like me, you are afraid that you will not finish what you start. That you won't achieve them. That we're going to fail and not finish. But see, here's the deal. I want to flip the script on this today. I want to talk about maybe a, a little different way we should approach our lives because the absolute truth is this. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. You will never finish something that you never start. I didn't say it was going to be deep and theological today. You will never finish something you don't start. And my desire, my goal today, and I hope I accomplish it, is that you and I find motivation from someone in the Bible, Moses. Who are we talking about today? Moses. That God used to help us to simply get up and get going. We're going to look at his life and we're going to see in such a way that will compel us to do something that God has assigned us or called us to do. So let me ask you this question. What do you need to start? What have you been sitting on the last couple of years? What have you been putting off? What have you left undone? Because every one of us has something that God has for us to do. Maybe for some, it's time for you to, you know, get fit and get healthy. I know that's true for me. And you need to start with maybe a small change in your diet or maybe, you know, go for a short walk. You need to start somewhere. Maybe it's with the gym membership. Maybe some of you are saying, you know, it's about high time I, you know, I solidify a relationship in my life. The single life is just not what God has in store for me. So maybe it's time for you to sign up for eHarmony. 
Maybe Christian mingle. For some of us, just shower. <laughs> maybe it's time for you to maybe strengthen your friendships and your relationships. Put some time into it. You know, for some of us who are just kind of sitting around and going, well, no one, you know, I don't know anybody at church and, you know, I always sit by myself and no one's really approaching me and, you know, I, I, I know God wants me to be, be in, a, in, in a relationship with, with friends, so, you know, accountability and growth and that whole iron sharpens iron, iron thing. And uh, maybe it's time for you to sign up and get involved in a Creekside small group. I mean, we have one, we have some launching in the near future. Maybe, you know, some of us are sitting here going, man, you know, I know God's been pushing me and compelling me and telling me I need to be more generous. And some of you just need to start with the tithe. Maybe some of you are going, man, it's about high time I start making a difference and using the gifts that God's given me. He's blessed me with so much. Maybe some of us, we need to get up and start serving somewhere at Creekside Church. What is it for you? Discover Church, what is it for you? What is it you need to just start? What what is it that was left undone? What is it that... You know, we know God has been calling us to, but we kind of just been sitting there not doing it. Because what I know to be true is that every single one of us, us in house, you online, you at Discover Church, every single one of us, we all have something. But the problem is this. When we think about that thing, what do we do? We find ourselves in this never-ending maze of indecision. Some of us suffer from the disease called paralysis by analysis. Indecision. Which way should I go? I don't know. What should I do? How should I start this? Where? I mean, I, I just... Oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to stay right where I am. And then maybe a month from now, complain about where I am. For me, I find it helpful. I find it helpful to know where I need to start it helps me to know where I need to start if I know where I want to end up. If I have a clear picture of where I want to end up, I will understand clearly where I need to begin. You understand what I'm saying? So here's, some, here's a little hands-on application for all of us. I want you to take a moment and I want you to fast forward all the way to the end of your life. Fast forward all the way to the end of your life. And let me ask you this question. Think about the answer to this question. What would you want people to say about you when you're gone? Or another way to phrase that, 
is what do you want your legacy to be? Because within that answer, you just might find where you need to get started. Within that answer, you, will, you just might find out what you need to be about, what you need to get going. Now, like I said, we're gonna look at the life of Moses. But just not the life of Moses, but we're gonna look at the end of Moses' life. In Hebrews chapter 11, and most of us know this as like kind of the hall of fame of faith. And Moses, he's one of the most iconic figures of all of scripture. I mean, this dude split the Red Sea. Picking it up in verse 24. It says, by faith. By what? Say it with me. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. What a powerful legacy statement. Now this is where Moses ended but this isn't where Moses began. This is not where he started. And I'm going to help, and most of us have, you know, some of us who have grown up in church, we know the story of Moses. Some of us who are newer to the faith, we may not know the story of Moses. And even some of us may think Moses built the ark. So, let me help you with some context. Let me give you a little bit of an overview to put us all on the same page. Moses was born a young Hebrew boy in Egypt. During, the, uh, during the, uh, this period and the time of the Israelites, the Israelites were enslaved to the Egyptians, millions of them. Pharaoh became concerned the Israelite population was growing too large. So what did Pharaoh do? Pharaoh was scared that they would overthrow him. So what was his solution? He takes all the Hebrew boys and he tosses them in the Nile River. Now, Moses' mother decides to get a step ahead of Pharaoh and Moses' mom puts Moses in a basket to send him down the river to protect him, to save him. But by the hand of God, Pharaoh's daughter takes possession of Moses. And she takes him and raises him as her own for over 40 years. You have a Hebrew boy in Egyptian home. But not only that, he was trained. He was trained in all of the Egyptian ways. He had the best education and the best schooling in all of the land, in all of Egypt. He also had all of the best things in life that life can offer. But one day after 40 years, 40 years, he was overseeing a job for Pharaoh. And an Israelite and an Egyptian, they begin to fight. Moses looks on. He decides to protect the Israelites and he in uh, the Israelite and he ends up killing the Egyptian. 
And then Moses starts to panic. Oh my gosh. And what does he do? He buries him in the sand. He buries the Egyptian in the sand to cover it all up. It's all, it's all good now. The next day, two Israelites were fighting. Moses steps on the scene and he says, Brothers, what are you doing? Don't fight. They look at Moses and they said, Who made you judge over us? What are you going to do? You going to kill us like you did the Egyptian? Can you imagine the panic that probably overwhelmed Moses at that moment? Probably thinking, oh man, I've been found out. So what does he do? He leaves Egypt and he, Egypt and he wanders around in the desert for 40 years as a shepherd of sheep. He has a son named Gershom, which really means I'm a foreigner in a foreign land. I mean, how much of Moses' ID, his identity was wrapped up in I'm a foreigner that he has to name his son that? Think about that for a second. I mean, that's important to understand because here we have Moses. He was 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness shepherding sheep. Then one day out of nowhere, he walk, comes across a burning bush and, and, and has his experience. It's actually a conversation with God where God tells Moses, hey, you're going back to Egypt. What? I mean, not only that, but you're going back to Egypt to face Pharaoh, and you're going to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Not some of them, all of them. Millions of people. People. What Moses was being asked to do was to go back to Pharaoh and tell him to let all of the Israelites go. Now to Pharaoh, that was all of his slave labor. It's not going to sit well. Moses was probably like, yeah, I'm not too sure about that. I don't, am I hearing you right? And this is where we pick up today. We know where Moses ended up. And now we're going to see where he began. I want to look at this conversation he's having with God. This is where we're going to find our motivation to get our go back. Because over the last couple of years, our drive to go, to get started, to do something, if you're like me, it's diminished a little bit. I'm hoping that we're going to find some motivation to get our go back. The first thing, if you're taking notes, here's what we need to do. And, and again, they're not deep and theological. You're not going to be wowed with uh, theology and, and scriptural knowledge. But I am going to give you a few things to kind of hang your heart on to help you leave differently uh, than how you came in. Same with you online. So here's the first one. Start where you are. Start where you are. 
In case you, if you've already forgotten, this is where God and Moses are talking. And God just told Moses that he's going, that he has to go back to confront Pharaoh and tell him to let God's people go. It says this in Exodus 3, chapter, uh, verse, chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? You know what Moses was thinking? Who am I? I just killed a man. I just killed a man. I'm on Egypt's most wanted list. My face is plastered all throughout Egypt. They're going to kill me the moment I show up back on the scene. I can't go back. But then God says something so powerful. And I believe that it's, it's so powerful that God wants some of us to hear this today as well. And God said to Moses, I will be with you. I will be with you. God says, I will be with you. Do not miss the power in that. Because many of us have discounted what God can do in us and through us based on past mistakes that we made. But just like Moses, God says, I am with you in spite of the mistakes that you have made. And when we truly understand who is with us, it gives us confidence to do the things we wouldn't do otherwise. I mean, if, you, if you're like me and you've gone through junior high or you've gone through high school and you were lacking confidence, you know one of the greatest feelings in the world, one of the greatest experiences that you can ever have in this life is when someone you know sticks up for you. Right? When you know who is with you, it changes everything. What it does is it gives you confidence. It doesn't matter where you are when you know who you're with. Start where you are. Maybe some of you today in-house and online and at Discover Church, you feel unworthy because of past decisions or mistakes. Maybe you're so far behind financially, you don't see a way out of the hole that you got yourself in. Maybe you're facing some big decision and you're confused as to which way to go and you're living in the cul-de-sac of indecision. Maybe you've experienced a death of a loved one or uh, a divorce or you lost your job in, in 2020 or 2021. And you're not sure how you're going to make it through 2022. You have to know, please know, that no matter where you are, God is with you. He is in you and he loves you too much to leave you right where you are. He's saying to Moses, I'm with you, so let's get going. Let's start moving. Go. Start where you are. The second thing to help us to get our go back 
is use what you have. Use what you have. Even though God said he was with Moses, we're going to see that Moses still didn't feel confident. Moses still feels a little iffy about his situation, what God's asking him to do. As a a conversation continued, Moses answered, well, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to, uh, said to him, what is in your hand? What is in your hand at this moment? What is in your hand? And what did Moses say? A staff. Now don't miss the power in this. Why did Moses have a staff? Moses had a staff because he was simply doing the daily work of a shepherd. What we have to understand is that God will take that ordinary staff and will do extraordinary things through it. You don't believe me? What did Moses do? God said, throw that staff on the ground. He threw it on the ground. It turned into a snake. Moses then picked it back up and guess what? It turned back to a staff. Miracle after miracle with an ordinary shepherd staff. What did Moses do? He tapped the Red Sea with it. And what happened to the Red Sea? It parted. And they were delivered from those who were chasing them to kill them. Moses hit a rock with it. And water flowed from the rock so those who were thirsty and the livestock could, can drink. It's amazing what God does when you and I, when, when, when we simply step out and we take that thing that seems ordinary and God takes our ordinary to do the extraordinary through it. God will use exactly what you have. Now maybe some of you feel this way right now. Well, I'm just raising my kids. I'm just a teacher. I, you know, I, I just work at a, a, a Jiffy Lube where I, I change oil. Or I'm just in construction. Or, you know, I, you know, I'm just a baker. Or I'm in sales. Or I'm a student. You know, that's all I have. That's all I do. That's all I am. But that's exactly what God uses That's exactly what God uses. Some of us, we don't move because we think we need the cure to cancer before we even get up and and to do something. But God will take exactly what he's given you, what you have, what you feel is ordinary, and he'll do the extraordinary because what you have is exactly what God uses. If you do, you know, I just repair things, but how... How many single parents or single moms do we have in this community that can use help fixing their car? Use what you have. You don't know how you going over there and say, can I help change your light bulb or can I help you fix your car or change your oil might change their eternity forever. That might be the catalyst for them to, to meet Jesus. Maybe you're feeling like, hey, I, you know, I don't have much, but I'm good with numbers. Then maybe you can help someone who is not good with numbers do their taxes. 
or help them learn how to reconcile their bank account. Maybe, maybe you're going, well, I don't have much, but I really love kids. Hey, we have a whole ministry called Creekside Kids with a Z. I don't know where that came from, but maybe you can serve and love and lead our little ones to Jesus. Maybe you can change your life. Well, I, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm good with cooking. I could cook. I can make a mean lasagna. I can make really good tacos. Then take that skill that God's given you, an ordinary, everyday skill, and go cook a meal for someone just to bless the socks off them. To say, God loves you and I do too. Here's some food. Ordinary things that God can take and do the extraordinary. Maybe some of you like to shop. Maybe some of you, you, you can write. You have a way with words. Maybe some of you have been through some very tough things. You know what you can do? Take your experiences and what you've learned by going through those difficult seasons and mentor somebody and coach somebody and, and walk alongside someone and see what God does. You'll never know unless you get up and start going. Maybe some of you, and I don't know who, but like to run for fun. <laughs> Maybe you like to golf. You know, if, if that's you, take that ordinary thing that you have and go, hey, once a week, twice a month, I'm going to get together with other people that like to golf or like to mountain bike and, you know, like to run. And I'm going to start a Creekside community or a small group. And we're, we're just going to get together and we're going to ride or we're going to golf or we're going to run away from home only to turn around and run back home <laughs> for no reason. Get together with other people because Ordinary with God is the catalyst to extraordinary. What is in your hand? Use what you have. Because what you have is exactly what God will use. Start where you are. It doesn't matter where you are when you know who you're with. Use what you have. The third thing uh, to help us to get our go back is this. Do what you can. Do what you can. <clears throat> so Moses, yet again, goes back to God. Not with a, yes, I'm on this, let's do this. But you know what? He goes back to God with another complaint. Has anybody been there? Let's be honest. Has anybody done that? He goes back to God with another complaint. God, you know, here we have God saying, I, Moses, I need you to go. And Moses isn't really feeling it. In verse 10 of Exodus chapter 4, it says, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, but I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes 
them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Now, I don't know if it's just me, but the excuses, though, the excuses. And, and there's definitely a little tension here. God says, go. God says, will you do what I say? I think it's something we all can relate to. I mean, parents of young children, have you ever told your kids to go to bed? Have you ever noticed how much they have to say immediately following you telling them to go to bed? Seems like that's when, you know, the, the, they become supernaturally filled with energy. And they don't want to do the simple thing that you told them to do. It's like, go to bed. Well, can I have a drink? Go to bed. Well, I have to go to the bathroom. I'm not tired. I'm hungry. I'm scared of the dark. I need a blanket. My pajamas are itchy. Go to bed. Will you tell me a story? Will you sing me a song? Go to bed. How come you get to stay up? That's, that was a big one in our house. Will you rub my back? Go to bed. Can we go to Taco Bell? No. No. But what you can do is go to bed. That's where you can go. See, you kind of get the sense that that was what was happening between Moses and God. Moses keeps waffling and God keeps saying, go. And for some of us, we need God to give us kind of a spiritual kick on the backside to get us going in 2022. Yeah, we know what we're being called to do, what we're assigned to do. Yeah, we know that, you know, every Sunday we sit there, no, I probably better serve or I probably better tithe. And, you know, I, I kind of been darkening the doorstep of this place for years, but I haven't given anything uh, or I haven't served in any capacity. We know this, but we keep making excuses. Well, I'm too much in debt or I don't have enough time or I don't like kids. We're kind of doing the same thing that Moses is doing. We're making excuses. But today, say today. today. Is the day, say is the day, I get started. Because here's the deal, you will never finish what you never start. And if you never start, then there's some things that God has assigned you that aren't getting done. Today is the day you get started. Use what you have. Know who you're with. God said, go, do what you can. He also said to Moses, I will teach you along the way. Did you catch that? I will teach you along the way. I'm not giving you everything you need to feel equipped before you take a step toward Egypt. I will give it to you the moment you start to go. Some of us are sitting here and watching online 
feeling like we need to be more educated before we take a step. Many of us end up being far more educated beyond our obedience. I don't know if you just picked up what I put down. Many of us go, I, I, you know what? Hey, pastor, can we have a how to witness 101 class? I really need to learn how to share my story of what Christ has done in my life. No, you don't. No, you don't. You just need to start doing it and know that the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say at that moment. Some of us wait until we feel educated and equipped before we go out and do what God's asking us to do. He's saying, no, I will teach you along the way. And the problem is many of us end up being educated far beyond our obedience. We simply need to get going. Do what you can. Can you heal your marriage today? Probably not. But you can start with saying, I am sorry. Can you run a marathon today? Probably not. But you can put on your shoes. You can step outside and then walk right back in the house. Can you get out of debt today? No. No. But you can sign up for Financial Peace University, which is kicking off, I believe, January 25th, hosted by the amazing Triplet family. Super pumped about that because I know for a fact that many of us have spent money we didn't have on gifts we didn't want to buy for people we didn't necessarily like. So get into FPU and take the first step towards financial freedom. Just do what you can. Do what you can. Guys, listen. Do what you can. You be you and let God be God. You be you and let God be. Just take a step. Just take one step and then take the next step. That's all, that's all we got to do. Small steps. Focus on step one. The problem is we get so paralyzed by focus, focusing on step 26, 27, 28, 29. That's where our mind goes, doesn't it? And then we become overwhelmed and we go, oh, it's too hard, it's too difficult. So I'm just going to sit right where I am and do nothing. Focus on step one, not 28. You be you and let God be God. Uh, stop making excuses and allow God to use you as an example. You know, I, speaking about uh, wanting to feel like I was equipped to do what I needed to do, I remember when Chris and I planted Generations Church, I met with our district director at the time, Pastor Jim Plummer. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling him, going, hey, you know, hey, I'm a little apprehensive about this. I'm not sure how to do it. You know, I suffer uh, from paralysis by analysis. And um, 
you know, I'm just kind of, uh, I don't know what to do, and I, I just want to make sure I have everything in place. And, what, and, he, and he stopped me in, in mid-conversation, and he said, George, why would God give you everything you need to know today when he will give you everything you need when you need it? You're right. I mean, that's faith-forward thinking, isn't it? Know who you're with. God can take what you have and he can do something extraordinary with it. Even Mother Teresa, you probably heard this quote because I know P.T. loved quoting Mother Teresa. And uh, she said this, if you can't feed 100 people, just feed one. In other words, just get going. Do something. Do something. The truth is, no matter how slow you're moving in, in 2021, no matter how slow you move into 2022, if you're just doing something, you will always lap everyone else sitting on their couch. Start where you are. Use what you have and do what you can. As the worship team comes up, I want to look again at, at Moses' life. We see God do extraordinary things through Moses, who was an ordinary man, slow in speech, not eloquent. And again, referring back to Hebrews chapter 11, it says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Now, again, I ask you the question, what if when people are gathered around at your memorial service, what if they said that about you? What if they said about you, by faith, they? When they grew up, they refused to be known as a product of their environment. They chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. As I sat around remembering you and thinking about their relationship with you, what if they said he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of this world? And they did this because they knew what was in store for them. The reward that God had for them. What if people said that about you? Because you know this, we, we have one shot at 2022. We have one shot. Truth be told, we have one shot at this life. One shot. You will never finish something that you don't start. 
It's time to go. It's time to get going. It's time to get started. When we do these things, when we start where we are, when we use what we have, when we do what we can, we won't only have a 2022 to remember, but we will live a life that leaves a legacy. It's time to get your go back. So Father, you're speaking to us. I pray that our ears are open uh, open enough and our our hearts are stretched enough to hear what you are saying to us. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Thank you that we're able to flip the calendar and we have a new beginning. Thank you that we have uh, a supernatural uh, reset button through the grace of, uh, of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We pray that 2022, Father, may not be the year we want it to be, but Father, we pray it's the year that you want it to be. Allow your Holy Spirit to guide us, Father. Lead us. Take our ordinary things and and do extraordinary things with it because we surrender it to you. Thank you for all of the good things that 2021 brought. Thank you for all of the things that we learned through the trials of 2021. And Father, we believe and know that you have even bigger and better things in store for the season ahead. 